Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. said we're going to talk about looking looking for the for the overlooked and as he shared this this personal story today it's one thing is we, we know this people that's overlooked all around us and today we're going to talk about that mark chapter 10 and verse 13 the bible says and they brought young children to him that he should touch them and his disciples rebuked those who brought them but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the king, kingdom of God as a little child, he shall, enter there, shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. This month, as we, you may be seated, this month as we are uh, starting this, this new series, the series is titled Loving the Unloved. And so as we reach to this, we, you know, as Brother Toby just said, just at the Dollar General, anywhere you go today, there's people that, that you rub in shoulders with every day and everything we do that are people that are unloved, people that are they're overlooked. Where they're, they're, they're overlooked or dinged in, in important, seen as over, outcast in our society, or even just hated or marginalized by others. There's people all around us that's just going through things that we don't even understand. Sometimes in life, you know, we grow up in a, almost in a sheltered world, in, or I did anyway, I'll put it that way. In my life, I was brought up in a sheltered world to some of this, some of these just unwanted and unloved. This, this series will help us highlight the command that Jesus said to love your neighbors. And that's what we're going to be highlighting this whole month is we're going to be talking about loving your neighbors as yourself. Really put, loving the people that we are around, loving the people that we come in contact with every day. We look at that, this, we're going to go over this this month. Joseph, go to the story of Joseph, he sat on a hard bench within the walls of an Egyptian prison. Here Joseph, he, he, here he was, he sat there. Talk about somebody that was overlooked and treated as an outcast. We know the story of Joseph, and we're going to talk about him for just a few minutes today. We know Joseph, has, he, was, you know, he was overlooked and he was, he was treated as an outcast. I can imagine today, deep in his thought, as he sat there in this prison, trying to make sense out of his situation. Here he was in prison, didn't know why really he was here. And he probably, he probably thought things like, what had gone wrong in my life? Here I was living the dream. 
you know, he's a dreamer, you know, he was living the dream. And all of a sudden, he finds himself here. Now he's sitting here in a hard prison. He says, he probably thought about, you know, in my mind, I think about that. I says, he probably thought like, where did I make the wrong turn at? Because, you know, we hear stories about, you know, every decision we make, you know, influences our life. And he probably says, well, where did, where did I make this wrong choice? Where did I make this wrong turn in my life? Or he may ask the question, why had God let this happen to me? And I believe sometimes people that this finds their play, their self in this situation, finds herself overlooked and outcast. I feel like they've asked these questions to God. They say, God, where did I go wrong? Where did the circumstances of my life, how did I get to where I'm at today? Or why did God allow this to happen to me? Some of these people like Joseph. Here he was in a place not of his own decisions, but we find Joseph asking questions. From his youth, Joseph had been a strong believer in God. He had had he had experienced dreams that he was, he was completely convinced that was inspired by God. As I said earlier, he was a dreamer. He had dreams that he knew come from God. And as he shared his dream, probably was one of his biggest, one of his biggest mistakes by sharing his dreams to his brothers. But Joseph's mind flashed back probably to the traumatic experience in his life. Because I've always, I've read through this story and I've heard this story since I was a little child. But as I was studying this, I thought about it in a little different way. You know, Joseph's mind probably flashed back to that traumatic experience that day when here he was going, just walking down, minding his own business, confounding his brothers. And all of a sudden, my mind says, you know, that, well, they just, you know, the Bible talks about they just, they took him and put him in a pit. But um, I think it was a little more traumatic in his life than... I think they came up and they, somebody, one of them probably baited him in. I mean, I had a couple of brothers, so I knew how we, <laughs> how we did things, you know. They probably baited him in, come on up here, talking to him. Maybe it may have, if it was one of his brothers that baited him in, and then all of a sudden one jumped from behind a tree and tackled him. They tied him up, and then they threw him into a pit. You know, here he is, his own brothers. You know, here he has this traumatic experience in his life. But he probably would not never forget the feeling of helplessness and horror when his own brothers pulled him up out of that pit and then chained him like an animal to the back of a, a caravan. Here he, his own brothers was treating him like an animal. You know, that, that, that in his mind, you, know, you, you think about him, here his older brothers, the ones that he looked up to, even though they had been so wrong to him, that he still looked up to them. And here he finds himself being chained and being treated this way. The years that followed Joseph's life was not much kinder for Joseph. We look as his new boss, his, her promiscuous wife falsely accused him of rape and then he was, then from resisting her unwanted advances, now he is paying for, the, for his good deeds while she's still walking and enjoying the luxuries of life. You know, we look in Joseph's life, we go through his life, and we finally see Joseph seems to have a, his look being changed. And we see God has gave him the interpretations of dreams of two guys that's in the prison. And he said that was very close to one of the most powerful men on the planet. Joseph had hoped that one of these would mention his name or mention his situation to someone that could help. Here he was, here he was, overlooked, 
outcast, thrown into prison. But here he, he had a gleam of hope that one of these guys was getting out. They were going to go give his, tell his situation to someone that could help him. But months and probably months and years later went by. Here he's still sitting in the prison. Can you imagine the loneliness? It had to be suffocating. Here he was, he saw people come and go. And here he was. Felt like he was just thrown away, cast away, just to, to rot in some prison. That had to be suffocating. That loneliness had to be just suffocating in his life. The sense of abandonment chipped away at his self-esteem. It was difficult to resist the temptation to curse God and to abandon his faith and become bitter at his brothers and the ones that had casted him in this prison. You know, it was, a hard, it was probably hard to, to not feel like it's their fault. Blame them, have hatred for them. It was difficult. But Joseph continued to sit on that crude bench in that prison, overlooked and forgotten. You know, he was in a short distance from the throne room of Pharaoh. Here he was just, just a matter of probably feet or just in the same building of the throne room, but here people saw no value in Joseph. They saw no value in the guy that was a prisoner from Palestine. They had seen no value in him. The people of the society saw no value in him. He was just an outcast. He was just forgotten. There was nobody but God that saw him. That is nobody but, but God that saw anything good in him. God saw Joseph as a, in a very different light. God saw the young man who was learning to trust. And could you imagine learning to trust in his situation? Here he was trusting God for everything when it seemed like everything was going wrong. But he was, he was learning to trust. God saw a leader who had character that, would, that were being developed. God saw the man that, who was going to preserve his chosen people. God sees mankind through a different set of lenses. He don't see us as everyone else sees us. I'm glad he don't see us as everyone else sees us. We go through life, you know, everybody else, we may feel like we're just an outcast. And we may be the outcast to everyone else, but God knows the, our insides. He knows what we're made of. Of all the people in the world who were overlooked, are overlooked, often children are the near the top of the list. We look at this life, you know, we look at these children that gets overlooked and forgotten. They are not old enough to earn a wage. They can't, make, they can't contribute to the household income. They're not the head of the household. They're not the leadership, so they're overlooked. They are small in stature and do not understand or can communicate their needs. This morning, we're going to discuss the plight of overlooked children, and we will let their predicament be representation of other people groups that are overlooked. Today as we talk about children, it's not just children we're talking about. We're talking about people that are overlooked. It's all around us. We have all heard the saying, or we may have all heard the saying that children are to be seen but not heard. That means they're, 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 we see them, but they're not, the voice is not to be heard. Some of us remember sitting at the kids' table. I mean, I, sometimes I still sit at the kids' table. <laughs> But we find ourselves sitting at the kids' table, the kids sitting at the kids' table, and family dinners are being shooed outside when the adults were ready to talk about important matters. 
or tell us to go, told, told to go to bed. You know, us adults need to talk about things. And I've heard Brother Boyd share hiding down the hallway to listen to the adult conversations. But we've all felt that if we, as a children, if we could remember. We felt that as we wanted to be a part of the, the adult group. We felt like we wanted to be a part of the things that matters. Sometimes in life, you know, we, we, we grow up, kids fast, live fast forward through life. They, they think that they, if I'm just, if I, get, if I can get to being 10 years old, I can be accepted. Or when I get 13 year old, because they have an older sibling or older cousin or something, they, think, they, they seem like they're getting everything because they're older. We fast forward through life because we want to be 13, and then we want to be 15, and then we want to be 16. Driver's life, if I can get my driver's license, I can be it. Then we want to be 18 and 25 to get our insurance to go down from our insurance. But, but we just fast forward through life. Our kids, kids, we don't, kids don't want to be kids because they want to be accepted because they seem like everybody that's older are being more accepted. And so sometimes in life, our minds are as a child, we, we would rush through that. While certain situations do call for grown-up to be in grown-up situations because children are not developed they may not be developed in certain abilities or certain areas in their life, but adults should carefully be careful not to inadvertently communicate to children that they are unimportant. So it's, it's something, even the disciples of Jesus made that mistake. They, they, they thought that the kids was not important. We're, we, we have our goal. We, we need to minister to the adults. But we need to, they, they push the children to the side. Mark 10 and 13 tells us, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked, and his disciples rebuked those who brought them. When reading this account, our hearts goes out to the children who are being shooed away from the presence of God. When we, when sometimes in life, you know, we find ourselves, you know, just like these disciples, we find ourselves, well, these pushing the kids to the side. To be honest, as adults, it is easy to relate to the disciples' feelings, what they was feeling. They was pushing the kids to the side because they didn't think they were important. They was wanting to minister. They had their goal. They was wanting to minister to the whole congregation. But when we have adult projects to do, it seems like children are obstacles or just in the way. It's easy for us adults. Say if we're doing a project around a home or we're doing a project on the job, sometimes it's easier to just uh, the kids are in the way. Or they seem like you know, they're, just, they're just under our feet and sometimes we, we say, well, if you'll get out of, you know, just move out of the way a little bit. Let me, let me get this job done. They have, le they have less experience than adults. Their skills are limited and their attention pans is, is limited. And often they do not grasp the importance of the matter at hand. It is tempting just to tell them to move away, move out of the way so I can get this thing done. The truth is, Training and including children in our lives, it is time-consuming and it takes a lot of work. And on, the, on my job, as I grew up and working, and I've been around young people and younger people coming on to the job, and, and it's so easy sometimes is, 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 that I know what I'm doing, I know how to do the job. And we jump into that, and I, I, so I just step back and let me go ahead and do it instead of taking time to show someone. It is inconvenient and it requires, one thing, it requires a great deal of patience. But, but I think today in our world today, 
you know, we talk about anybody that, that, that employs people, anybody that works around on the job site. You see people that, you see these, the new generation, we, I've heard this comment before, the new generation of people that seem like they don't want to do anything or they don't want to do things. And I feel like that's some of this from this, this. And I know this is maybe going a little bit away from the things but today, but I feel like in our life, because people has just said, well, children, just go inside and play your game or go inside and do this and never even taught the child how to mow grass. Because they didn't, it took a little bit of patience, a little time, because, well, I could get the grass mowed in 30 minutes, but if I have try to show them how to do this, it's going to take two hours. And sometimes in our life and our speed of time, we, we, we push our children and say, well, just go, you just go play your game or something while I, I'll take care of this. When the child is really wanting to learn, wanting to do things, but after a while, they'll just get to that mindset to just go do this and not do that and, and allow the adults to take care of all the, the things. And that, that mindset, I think, is, is mown on into life. It is inconvenient and it requires patience. But once a child is properly trained and become a part of a productive society, they will carry their weight and then some because they have that youth. They have that, 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 that can carry on. Disciples were so focused on their goal that they failed to see the long-term picture. Here they were focused on, let's win the, win the adults. Let's win these here. Let's, let's do this job. And they, they were they was so focused on the crowd that they were looking for. And they were pushing on the side. They were not looking at the long-term picture. That is an error that we all can make. If we're not careful, we'll worry about certain areas or certain demographics of our church and not worry about everything. And we'll not worry about other areas. This takes me back to grade school. It is like the person standing on the playground waiting to be picked on a team. As he nervously watches as the team captain goes through and chooses their their last few teammates trying to avoid choosing the last skilled athletes athletes for the team. If you've ever been the untalented, the last pick, you know the feeling of that humiliation. When you stand in there in that line and the captain's pick, it's, 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 even though you try to hide that, it, I've been there. If you stand in there and you stand there in that line, and as they pick that team, that's a that's a really a when you that's what I, they do it all the time. When you're picking teams, you say, "Well, just 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 take two captains, y'all pick teams." But then as the last one that gets picked, the last couple that gets picked, as that list goes down the line, you stand in there, and I've stood, I've been standing there in that line before, and you feel like, "Well, nobody wants me. You know, I'm not good enough to be on their team." And sometimes we, we allow that to go over into our life. We, we allow that as, as in, in real life situations. We feel like we find ourselves, you know, not being picked for the team. We feel like, well, we're not wanted on that team. The enemy uses that against us. He uses that in our life. If, if we if we already knocked down with something, he'll use that, even though we may be overlooked by accident. But the enemy will use that. He'll start feeding that where they don't want you. They don't need you. And as a church, we must be like God. We need, to, we need to be looking for the ones that's overlooked, the over ones that make sure that we're not overlooking someone and we're not let's just passing by and, and out, seem like someone making them feel like they're an outcast. He sees the value, God sees the value in people we sometimes cannot see. A few years ago, 
I was at a softball camp in, at the University of Florida. The young girls there and the, the, the head coach, Tim Walton, for the Florida Gators softball team. We was there and I was in a conversation with him and he was talking about recruiting players. And he says sometimes you see these flashy players that's just unbelievable talent. And he says everybody, every coach wants them. But he says sometimes, he says, he says I don't look at that completely because he sometimes, he says, you got, you got to look at a player a little more deeper. Because he said, he said, I'd rather have a player that had mediocre talent and have the character and morals in their life. Because he says when that characters and morals in their life, when you get down in a game or you get down, something things is not going just right. He says that character, that morals will come up in life. He says, he says, so we get players sometimes that people, other people overlook. Players that are better players than everyone. Some of these players, he's talked about some of the players on his team. He says some of these players was not even recruited because they were overlooked because they were other people that were more talented. But because he developed that talent. And here's, that's what he said. He says, you can develop someone that has right morals, right character in their life. Way past someone that has talent. And so, to, so sometimes in life, you know, we find ourselves looking for the talented, looking for the most experienced in life, the flashy players in life. But God is like an antique dealer. He scratches through the layers of paint to assess the value of a potential soul. It's based on the structure of the materials which is here made from. God is more like, a, like I said, he, he rather what we're made of than what we look like on the outside. He'd rather, he'd rather see what we're made of than what, we're, what, we're, what we show in our flesh, show in our life. Our world seems to be overlooking people with the best hearts and the greatest characters. Society seems to be attacking, attract to the noisy, talented, and pushy people. We must overlook the, look past talents and personalities and see the value of a sincere soul like God. God is not looking for what he can see on the outside. He's looking at our soul. He's looking at our hunger. And he's looking for people like that. And that's why as a church, we need to be looking for people that's being overlooked. People that's being, being passed by. Jesus went out on his way to reach those who were being overlooked. We look in Jesus' ministry, throughout his ministry. We see him looking for the overlooked, the outcast. If you read through his, his, his ministry, that's the people he, he hung out with. That's the people he was always going to. He's changed his itinerary to visit a well one day, to visit, to visit a woman that had been married for five, been married five times. But this woman, this Samaritan woman, if when you read the story of her, she was she was going to the well at an intemperate time, a time in the day when when nobody else would be there, because she was an outcast, because she was someone that everybody looked down upon. She didn't want to be at the well with everybody else. But Jesus changed his itinerary. He showed up at the well when she was at the well because he went there to, to, to minister to her. And because sometimes he looked for the overlooked, the outcast. And that result was that later she became an effective witness in his ministry, of his ministry. Jesus risked his reputation by eating with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He even eat with the tax collectors. He ministered to them because he was because he didn't he didn't mind what his reputation was. 
The people that everybody looked at and said, well, I don't want to be around that person. That's the people Jesus hung out with. Jesus touched and healed unclean lepers. And he even made a special trip to deliver a man so mentally unstable that he lived in graveyards. You talk about someone that's outcast and someone that's overlooked by the society. That's who Jesus was ministered to. That's who Jesus ministered to. Jesus was living out what, he, what the psalmist described. In Psalms 146 and 5, he says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord of his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein, therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the expressed, oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseneth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed, bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the stranger. He reliveth the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth aside down. Our job is to see the people through the eyes of Jesus. As we look at the society, we look at the people that surround us. Our job is not to, to look for them. Look for who, who could benefit us most. We should look for the, at people through the eyes of Jesus, how he sees them. That should be our prayer every day when we get up. Let me see people as Jesus sees them. Let me see the worthiness of people like Jesus sees the worthiness of people. When Jesus began his ministry, he picked what some scholars believed was a group of teenage boys from a fishing group to help him change the world. Therefore, he should not discount the possibility of him using the young, the uncultured, the inexperienced to do his work to even today. We don't, you know, sometimes we say, well, you gotta have this, you gotta be just right and everything in life to be used by God. And I'm not down in anything but about qualities of people. But, but I think, you know, sometimes we, we think you have to be a certain age before you can minister. Or you gotta be a certain thing or you gotta be a certain pedigree or something in your life. But God used the untrained. He had trained them. He equipped them. Jesus didn't build his ministry by, by headhunting. He did not go to Jerusalem or Rome in search of talent. He didn't have a talent search. He didn't put out billboards and he didn't advertise on Facebook. I need all the talent to come and, and let's see who's most talented, who's the best speakers, he didn't say who for everyone to come and let's see how, how good you can lay your hands on someone. He didn't ask them to come and see how their talent was. He didn't, he didn't just come do the talent search in their life. He did not scout the greatest schools. Or he didn't go to the exclusive families of, this, of his day to ensure a team that would be success. Rather, he chose the good heart and sincere people and he trained them to be world changers. He took what he found. He found the hungry. He found the ones that wanted to work. Then he left the earth and he encouraged his followers to continue in the same manner. He said, take the ones, the outcast, the overlooked. And he took them and he used them and he trained them. Jesus' com compassion was especially evident in the way he treated children. As he treated children, he, in Mark 10, when Jesus noticed that the disciples was turning the children away, he was greatly displeased. He was, he was upset. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for, from the, 
for, for such is the kingdom of God. Yeah, surely, he says, I say to you, whosoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He took them up in his arms and he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And Jesus ministered to the children. He, when he was ministering to the children, he was planting seeds and giving the young souls an opportunity to be a part of his eternal kingdom. Would, we would be wise to minister like Jesus did. Minister to the children. He was willing and ready to minister to anyone and to everyone. It didn't matter who you were. He broke racial barriers, gender barriers, class barriers, and even age barriers. He loved everyone. He loved everyone. In our story, Jesus warned that if we do not receive the kingdom of God as little children, we will not get in. Children tend to be more trusting. What he was saying is children is more trusting and less opinionated than adults. Children, they receive you as you are. They're often more willing to jump in and try something new. They're willing to, to step out. That's why a child at a very young age can take one of these iPads or take a phone and they'll do crazy things with it. They'll, they'll be doing it because they're not scared to mess it up. When the first time I got an iPad or I got my, my laptop, I sat there and looked at it and I was scared to move anything and touch anything because I was like, I don't want to mess this thing up. I had to pay for this thing. A child would just start swiggling on it. They don't care because it didn't come out of their pocket. So they don't mind. They trust. They'll, they'll try things. And so sometimes in life we need to be like that in our spiritual world. We need to be willing to jump out there and try it. They're often more willing to jump in and try something new. They seem to be a little more open-minded when it comes to believing in the miraculous. They believe God does anything. They believe mom and dad can do it. So they believe God can do it. And so in life, you know, we find ourselves we need to be, be like a little child. We need to have that childlike faith. We need to, adults, they, we, we learn to how to curb many of these attributes. We learn how to get by these things. Well, we, we can do it on our own. We do it by ourselves. We don't trust God. Sometimes caution is in order, but when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we must risk trusting and, and put our hope in God. As we, are care, as we are careful not to overlook others, we should pause and consider one thing, is God didn't overlook us. God didn't overlook me. God may be calling some of us today to climb into his arms and let him love us. So today we may feel like we're in, in this world and we feel, may feel like we're outcasts. We may feel like we're, 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 we're unloved. But I'm here today to tell you, we may, God may be waiting for you to climb into his arms and he'll show you that love. Knowing how gracious Jesus was to the outcast and the overlooked and to the children, we can be, have confidence he wants to minister, to minister to us as well. No matter how far you feel like you are, how far alone you feel like you are, God wants to minister to you today. So in order to make sure that we do not hold God at arm's length, and forfeit what, forfeit what he has for us, we must deliberately approach him like a trusting child. We must trust him. Little children who approached Jesus had a unique privilege of having God incarnated put their, his hands upon them and then park blessings into them. Here are these children that the disciples were trying to push away. They had 
had God himself there to lay his hands on their forehead. Pray for them and put blessings on them. But what is an incredible experience that must have been. But Jesus still does that today. He only uses the body, the church, to do that. When a minister lays his hands or when a saint lays her hands on some young child and prays for them, it is God himself praying for them, praying through them and allowing his spirit. Any Holy Ghost believer, when they pray for someone, that's that spirit. They're praying for him. God is praying for His spirit is touching them and blessing them. God blesses people when we allow him to let faith, healing, and power flow through us. And so when we, we touch God, when we want the children needs to be touched. When we allow him to go use through us, allow his spirit to be worked through us, we can to those whom whom we pray for and who we lay hands on. When we allow his spirit to go through us, it's the same as Jesus praying for them, laying his hands on them. Churches that operate in an apostolic authority bless those who come through their doors. As a church, when we pray for people, when we allow God to be used, to go used through us, we bless the ones that come through our doors. People who are privileged to grow up in a church learn at a young age how to pray, to teach, and to lay hands on the sick. We should be all forever grateful for parents and friends Sunday school teachers, pastors, leaders in the church who have put their hands upon our heads and prayed for us throughout the years. As church, people that grew up in the church, we are blessed. They're being intentionally, as a church, we be intentionally not to overlook anyone. Anyone that walks through the doors, we need to be intentional not to overlook them. Don't let them walk back out that door without someone touching them. You ain't got to grab them and lay your hands on them. As Brother Toby said, you may just need to put your arm around them and just let them tell them, hey, I love you. I'm glad you came today. No tell them what that may do when they walk through these doors hurting. What they need in their life. Maybe just need somebody to put their arm around them. And I think we need to be intentional. Don't allow anyone to walk through our doors that we don't physically touch them and allow them to know that they're loved and they're, they're appreciated for being with us today. We can speak faith into the people's lives. We can train those who have a heart to minister. We can comfort those who are struggling. We should consider it a privilege and a blessing to minister like Jesus did. It should be a blessing in our life to be able to minister like he, he did to the outcast, the overlooked. But to do so, first we must be sensitive to those around us. As Brother Toby was speaking to this morning in the beginning, he says, you know, we need to make sure when we, we are, we're in, in the Dollar General, we need to be sensitive to the people around us, sensitive to the needs around us. And I know sometimes in this world we live, people has abused that. And sometimes in life, you know, we, people says, well, and I've had people in my life, in my ministry, in my life, people call me in the middle of the night, hey, I need gas money. I need gas money. I need money for food. And me and my wife, when we were in Madison, I don't know how many calls I got. My phone number, cell phone number was on billboard right side of Highway 90. <laughs> so, so I got phone calls after phone calls of people that said I need gas money, food money. But when I did that, there's people I gave money to. And I'm not saying that for me, that I did it. 
because I just felt like I said I prayed my prayer was yeah people abuse that system they abuse that ability but as I did that I said God I'm blessing them what they do with this if they're sincere about they're, they're hungry that's on them so today as we look for outreach and we try to minister to, to the people we see in our life the sensitive people in our life we need to just bless them and I know I'm getting with Brother Williams here. I'm preaching right with him today, his ministry. <laughs> but I feel like today, you know, we just need to minister to them, allow God to take care of whatever, if, if they're true or if they're not. God to take care of that. Today, we must minister to the ones that are sensitive around us. Before today, I want to take a quick look at Jesus' mission statement. While in the synagogues in his hometown, Jesus read this passage from Isaiah then he declared that it would be fulfilled through him. He said in Isaiah 61 and 1, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and open the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of, the, of, of our God to comfort all, the, all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness and planting of the, planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Each of us who choose to embrace Jesus' mission will experience the abundance of life he promised as he uses us to bless the lives of those who are forgotten and the oaths that are overlooked. Today at this church, I grew up in this church. This church has deep roots in reaching for the overlooked and the forgotten. The one holding this mic this morning is a beneficiary of unwavering commitment as a child growing up in this church. From Sunday schools, teachers like Sister Nita Mae Ward that broke pieces off of her life. She got up mornings, I know she probably didn't feel good. And other teachers, and I'm not just putting her on this today, but on pedestal, but, I, but Sister Nita Mae and other teachers here in this, saints in this church that taught me in Sunday school. They broke off pieces every Sunday morning. Didn't matter if they was having a bad day, you didn't know it. They taught you, taught these these. These doc, this, this message out of this Bible to us on pieces where we can understand that. I had Sunday school teachers. I had youth leaders in my life that, that, that didn't, didn't matter what was going on in their life. They took time and took places. I just want to share a statement today. He's here today, and I just want to share something. about. There was years ago when I was a child, Brother Larry Newburn Sr., you, you took us as a young youth group. Some of the others that was here as youth. We went to Six Flags Over Jordan. We went to Atlanta. And he was the pastor of this church. And I remember as a child, them taking his, him as a pastor and, and carrying us to that, on that trip. It was a fun trip. But it, it done things in my life. Because I, and as I look back at that in life, I remember him as a pastor. And he took me there. And he took time out of his day and busy schedule to carry us there on that trip and spent time with us. 
And that was valuable time in our life. And as we go through life, you know, as a brother Boyd has is, is, is been my pastor all my adult life, and as he's been my pastor, he, he's encouraged me to, to increase my ministry. He's trusted me in times in life when I didn't trust myself. He pushed me further, and he's today, and pushed me into places. And he's allowed me today. He's, he's developed my ministry just like he has every other minister in this church. Today there are some saints here in this morning in this service that when I was a kid, 11, 12 years old, prayed with me for hours for me to get the Holy Ghost. I can remember Sunday nights in this area, all, all, all over this altar, but <laughs> over here when I was 10, 11 years old, Sunday night service be 11, 12 o'clock at night. When I quit praying and I look around and there was still people here praying with me because I was kind of stubborn. It took me, I had to pray a long time to get the Holy Ghost when I was a child. But they were saints. Yeah, they had to get up the next morning to go to work. But they were willing to not overlook because I was a child. Yeah, I was just a little kid but they was willing to stay there and pray with me. Pray with me because they knew the desire. They knew that what one day, they didn't ever know that I'd stand behind a pulpit with a mic in my hand. They never, never knew that I would stand in a prison and preach, them, preach the word of God. But they were sitting there putting that in me, praying for me. They was committed to me. They didn't overlook me as a child. They kept putting what, what they was putting in me Back then, they were putting things in me that they would know when I was standing in front of 30 or 40 men in a prison. Some of the outcasts, some of the overlooked in this society, I stand there and minister to them weekly in, in our prisons, in our jails. And but they put that in me then because I was overlooked. I wouldn't overlook me as a child. And today, as a church, as I go before us today, as we stand, as I could be in the clothes, it is imperative that we do not overlook our children. It doesn't overlook anyone in society. Anyone that walks through these doors, we don't know who they may be. We don't know what their God is wanting to use them to do. They may be the next minister. Or they, may be not, they may just be a great saint. But it doesn't matter what they are. We need to put, do not let, be, be like Jesus and do not overlook them. Let us pray right now. Lord, I ask you to touch us. I ask you to anoint us today. I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, allow us to see, get a hold of this ministry. Get a hold of this message, Lord. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, with your presence today, Lord Jesus, allow us not to overlook anyone. Lord Jesus, and Lord Jesus, touch us with your presence. Let us love the outcast. Let us minister to whoever walks through the doors today. Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch us and anoint us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, in your name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.